Yeah. I was very worried, very worried, very type A, like ball of emotion and energy all the time for my first four decades. And uh, she needed to mellow out <laughs> and, <laughs> and understand that she could be really productive and successful and not so anxious and worried and fearful about everything. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast. It's season four, and here we are still reimagining, rethinking, and redefining what it means to be in midlife and what's possible as we age. We are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I created this podcast to give you inspiration and let you know you're not alone in feeling stuck in midlife. Both men and women are welcome here, but if you are a woman, I also invite you to join the Age Agitators Club for Women, where we come together monthly to hatch our plans for making waves as we age. Being part of this community for women will remind you on a regular basis that you're not too old and it's never too late to do that thing you've been thinking about. You can find more information at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community and I hope to see you there. Hello my friend and welcome to the first episode of 2024. Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm especially excited because I have not one, but two guests here for you today, Dana Hilmer and Wendy Parati. So Dana and Wendy are co-creators of something called Camp Reinvention. I love that name. Their mission is to help women rewrite the rules on aging I love that. Let's rewrite some rules, right? And they're also on a mission to create new exciting possibilities for women in the second half of their lives. And what their camp offers are one-of-a-kind programs and community that are proven to help midlife and later in life women create their next act with confidence and excitement and peace of mind. They're master level coaches and they have helped hundreds of women successfully reinvent their lives because they get it. Um, One of the quotes I'm going to pull right now that comes from our conversation, Wendy said, she said, I hit my early 40s and I had no idea what I liked or didn't like. I had nothing interesting to talk about because nothing was mine. Everything was about my children or my husband. I think a lot of women can relate to that. And on the other end of that spectrum, Dana, in the middle of our conversation, says, I was kind of checking all the boxes. You know, I was moving up the corporate ladder. That's how I thought I defined success at the time. And I found myself in the corner office of a national magazine with the big staff and the big budget and have never been more unhappy in my entire life. Two opposite ends of the spectrum of what can leave you feeling unfulfilled in midlife. Those are two really, really good examples of that. Whoa. Oh my goodness. You know, on their, on their website, there's something, it says something really cool. It says, because if you want to be something you've never been, you'll need to do things you've never done. I'm going to say it again. 
If you want to be something you've never been, you'll need to do something you've never done or you'll need to do things you've never done. And that is exactly what this podcast is about, is the idea of letting yourself be a beginner. So I am so excited for this conversation. I'm not going to hold you up much longer here. Um, Let's just dive right in. Without further ado, here's Wendy Parati and Dana Hilmer. Let's go. Hey, Wendy and Dana, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank We're you excited for to be us. here. Thanks for having us. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love doing a two-person interview. I don't do this very often. It's a whole different energy. Um, I feel like I know you guys now through having watched you on Instagram and Dana and I have had a couple of conversations and I can't wait to get to know you a little bit better today. Yay. Likewise. We're excited too. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we have so much in common with, with what we're doing. You've got Camp Reinvention. You guys are business partners. And what I want to do is uh, maybe hit the rewind button a little bit for maybe each of you individually to go back to before Camp Reinvention times uh, and talk about where, like, what was going on for you? What has inspired you to come together to do the work you're doing? And also, have you guys, quick question first, did you guys know each other for a long time? I, I don't think we talked about this. You Not know, really. No. Yeah. We met at a couple of networking events and you know how, when you meet somebody, you're like, oh, I want to get to know that person better. That's how Wendy was for me. And so honestly, I kind of initiated outreaches to say, Hey, let's get together for lunch or dinner. And and obviously we formed a beautiful friendship right away and ended up really realizing, I think, very quickly that so many of the women that we're coaching, so many of the women that are friends of ours, because we're in this obviously 15 older age group, are really hitting a crossroads, they're hitting a pain point. They're hitting the place, I think, collectively where so much in their life is transitioning or shifting, trying to make sense of it. And and trying to get clear on what the heck do I want? You know, what do I want this second half of my life to be? And who am I now that I'm getting be- becoming older? And who do I want to become? And how do I want to experience the rest of my life? And so those conversations were so pervasive with it felt like everybody we were talking to, that that was just that natural place where we connected and and uh, realized we want to do something about it. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I've made some really yeah. good friends since doing this podcast that it's been that mm-hmm. same kind of thing, or I've and I never would have expected that, especially me. I'm, I'm, I, I tend to be uh, a little more introverted, or I, you know, I used to think networking was like a bad word, you know. And now I, um, especially with online networking, I actually kind of love it. I love that being able to get to know somebody. And this summer, some of my online only. F- friendships have turned into, oh, hey, we, you know, getting to meet up in person and give hugs and that kind of thing. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We experienced that last night. We went into an event in the city last night and Jackie Justice is a woman that we've become very, very friendly with. And she's also one of our experts in camp reinvention. And we realized we've known her for probably better part of three years. And all of a sudden we got to hug her and hang out. And it was, and was amazing. amazing. Yeah, exactly. Oh that you really have this beautiful connection already. 
So what, what was it a networking event that you guys met at? Was it a networking event that was around midlife women's issues or was it something completely different and unrelated? No, you know what, Dana and I have both been in um, leadership training and coaching for a long time independently. We both had our own businesses for a really long time. Um, and so we met at networking events that were about coaching, that were about leadership development, that were about executive presence, that were about um, reinvention and transformation on any level, like the kinds of things that coaches work with. And we were always sort of buzzing around those same. And like you, I am an introvert, right? I don't like you. I don't appear to be one on any level, but I am not the, I am more, I stay in my little office. I do my thing. I go, boop, I'm out there. And then I go right back into my yes. little space. And so it, Dana and I like instantly like had this magnetism, but it took her, like she tracked me down, you know, and she's awesome at that. And thank God she did. Right. So after a while, she had asked me to have lunch. We had lunch a couple of times, but it was always on the fly. We were always on the fly. And we knew that we found one another interesting, but we didn't know, know one another. And I was speaking at a woman's event and it was in where Dana lives and she came to see it. And she said, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee across the street. And we started talking, as she said, about the process of reinventing about the women that we most loved working with. Like we were kind of done with the whole corporate thing and really loving this transformative life stage period that so many of the women that we coached both on an executive level or on a, what, on, on a personal development level were going through. Like it was the most exciting thing that both of us did. And so as we're talking about this, like we got more and more excited and we're having, actually, I say coffee because I have coffee. Dana has never had coffee. Dana drinks iced tea. She drinks iced tea. So I was having coffee. Dana was having iced tea. And we're talking about this. And we started like realizing that we had such a similar ethic and such a complementary approach to this transformative work that we do. And if you've ever worked with a coach, you know, it's a very nonlinear process. It's a very personalized process. And so we started talking about what would it look like if we took all of the things that we've learned from these thousands of hours of coaching that we've each done individually and created like a methodology, like created a something we could teach women and sort of pull them through in a coaching environment where they're working with one another as well. And like, we got all excited and, you know, through at that lunch, at the, it wasn't even lunch at that coffee slash tea, <laughs> we said, let's do a project, you know, and let's have it be fun. Cause we take ourselves too seriously and women take themselves too seriously and oh gosh, yeah. let's call it camp. And, you know, like it just was this thing that popped into being in that moment, which was, uh, you know, it's really cool. And it was really a fun, like sparkle of a moment. That's fantastic. So let me go back. Let's start with you, Wendy. Let's go back to um, I, how long have you been a coach? Uh, a little more than a decade. A little more than a decade. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so does that put you maybe in your forties with starting the coaching? In my forties, yeah. In your it 40s. was a reinvention. It was a reinvention. Becoming a coach was a reinvention. I had a yeah. feeling. So, so what yeah. led you to that? What were the pain points that you were going through in your forties that brought you to doing the work that you're doing? I had done a number of things before uh, becoming a coach, and you know, initially I had my little. It was a great career in my 20s. It was my 20s career, right? I was a national spokesperson for a major nonprofit organization. And I loved the work and it was great. And But it was travel. It was a disaster organization. So travel at the drop of a hat. Mm. Constantly traveling, no notice for the travel. And as I got married and wanted to have kids, it wasn't the way I wanted my life to look. So I got married And I sort of evolved into um, helping my husband grow his company. And I, that company, we really grew a great company. And I took on so many different roles in that company over the years. And I also was a stay-at-home mom at the same time. Like when you own your own business, you get to do that, right? You figure Mm -hmm. that out. And and in all of that, I hit my early 40s and I had no idea what I liked or didn't like. I had nothing interesting to talk about because nothing was mine. Mm. Everything was about my children or about my husband. And listen, I loved every minute of that period until the moment that I lost myself in it. And that really scared me. And so at that point, I started searching for I don't want to lose this. Like I didn't want to lose the depth of relationship that I had with my husband or with my children. I didn't want to lose the time affluence that I had in being able to say yes to the things about my family that matter to me. And look, no judgment. There are plenty of women who that's not that time affluence in that place isn't important. It was important to me. Right. I didn't I love want... that term time affluence. I haven't <laughs> heard it before. And I feel, I feel like if I am affluent, that's where it is. That's exactly right? how. Yes. Yes. So I so I didn't want to lose that. And so it was about trying to find the place where I could find myself and continue to grow and evolve um, while not letting go of the things that I had already built that mattered most to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so then coaching looked and like, so, like good, through my right? own development, right? You're doing, I'm, I did all this work on myself. Right? Yeah. I was a very worried, a very worried, very type A, like ball of emotion and energy all the time for my first four decades. And uh, she needed to mellow out. <laughs> And, and understand that she could be really productive and successful and not so anxious and worried and fearful about everything. Um, so it was through all of that de- work that I did on myself that I started, like I developed little tools that worked for me. And then I decided to explore coaching. Very cool. Yeah, it was like a perfect transition. That you know, sounds this amazing. Is, it worked for me, it could work for other people. Yeah. You start to like, for, for me, I I can hear in you exactly what happened for me was I started to take care of myself. I started to figure some stuff out for myself and you want to share it. 
you start to feel better and you want to share that. Um, so Dana, tell us a little bit about your journey to, to coaching and leadership training. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like everything, it wasn't a straight line. Right. So I started off in magazine publishing and, you know, I was kind of checking all the boxes, you know, I was moving up the corporate ladder. That's how I thought I defined success at the time, you know, so marketing assistant, associate manager, blah, blah, blah. And I found myself in the corner office of a national magazine with the big staff and the big budget. And I have never been more unhappy in my entire life. And I realized, and this is something we talk about at camp a lot, is first of all, getting really clear on how you define success for yourself and being clear on why you're doing something. And I realized now in hindsight, I was one girl that was shitting all over herself. I did everything I thought I should. And there was this kind of pre-described notion of what I thought success should look like. And of course, at that young of an age, so much of that is kind of prescribed by your family or the media or your surroundings. You know, I didn't really realize I could define success for myself. And what I found was I could be really good at something, but it doesn't mean it's right for me. And, you know, I, I didn't care about advertising pages is really what it comes down to. And it was a very cool industry for a while, right? Like it's exciting. And, you know, there are some kind of glamorous elements of being in that industry. But for me on the day-to-day, -day, what I realized is I was working so many hours that I consistently um, canceled every plan I that mattered to me on a personal level. You know, my evenings were not my own. My weekends, I was going in. And so really, it was kind of that aha moment that this is not how I define success. This is not the impact I want to make. This is not. And it and it's becomes difficult to give yourself permission to get off a path once you've kind of made it to where you thought you wanted to be, right? And my journey to coaching was was kind of a circle in a way. I, at that time, took a workshop. I ended up called Life Designs. I ended up being trained as one of her leaders. And I now know that that training was coaching and it was grounded in positive psychology. I did not know that phrase or that term then. I didn't know that positive psychology existed. But at that time, I benefited from a really incredible training program. Um, ultimately, the woman who trained us, uh, there were three of us, did not use us because she she changed her business model. But what I realized is I really want to be in this place of helping people flourish. You know, I think so many people are kind of just getting by or doing what they think they should do or looking successful on the outside. You know, the resume looks good. Everything looks good on paper. Everything looks good and vis visually. But we all know when we're not doing something that's aligned with how we want to live or or the impact we want to make. And I experienced that for a long time. I mean, that's a really painful place to be. So when I did that training, I realized like this is the world I want to be in. Like I want to be in the world of helping people truly flourish to go from this place of being kind of, you know, kind of neutral to excited about their life. And I think we all deserve that. And I think that's possible for us. So back then coaching was a new profession. And I wish now that I dove into coaching and training at that time. So putting into context, that was 23 years ago because I was pregnant with my oldest son at the time. So I did not pursue coaching at that time because it felt like a 
a fledgling career. People didn't really know what coaching was yet. It felt like people could hang a shingle and I'm a person that needs all the training and all the science, you know, so it didn't feel solid enough for me at that time. And so kind of fast forward um, into motherhood, you know, I did some kind of cool projects. You know, I wrote a book called Blindsided by a Diaper. Um, It's an anthology that I published. Um, We turned it into a musical play. I had a little company called Lifestyle Mom. So, you know, I had some, some, little projects that were really, really exciting. Um, And fast forward, I learned about positive psychology and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the science of human potential and happiness and flourishing and resilience and all these things. And I was so excited to find that this existed. So I dove into the training uh, in positive psychology for a year and then I was a tra- I was a teaching assistant for that program as well. And so it was very cool to go through as a student and then to go through with a completely different lens. And how do you teach this? How do you land the speaking point? What are the exercises? You know, so so that experience was extraordinary. And then I went and got certified as a coach. And now fast forward, I guess it's probably eight or nine years. Um and thousands of hours of coaching, you know, we found ourselves in this place where Wendy and I met. So, uh, so it has not been a straight journey and I feel like I'm finally doing what I want to do when I grow up. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's, How it's, did um, you make the transition from, from doing the, the work with the magazine? I mean, did you, did you just leave it or did you start doing the coaching? Like, did you start doing studying the positive psychology and keep the job where like, did you leave so you could do the mom thing? I actually left it. You know, it's funny. I think I had the wisdom at the time to know that if I got pregnant in that job, it would not be a healthy pregnancy. My stress level was so, so high. And so I actually left it and I left it for a job at AmeriCares, which is a medical nonprofit relief organization, completely different from what I was doing. And it was kind of that perfect stepping stone. It was that perfect it was what I needed at the time, right? And I had a really good experience. When I got pregnant, it didn't make sense to go back there. You know, quite frankly, I was I cut my salary by quite a bit to do that. And I wouldn't make enough to justify daycare and all that. So it's so, so funny. I felt like, like it, you have to earn enough to just to, you know, after a while you're like, I'm working to put my kid in daycare and yeah, it's so hard. Yeah, it yeah. just it just didn't make sense. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so you know, in the early ages or early years of motherhood, I was fortunate to do some marketing consulting work. I edited a couple books. I had my own podcast at the time called the Lifestyle Mom Radio Cafe. Mm-hmm. And I'll kind of joke, laugh about the name of it. I don't know what I was thinking, but but I interviewed some amazing people and, um, you know, and then did, did those other projects that I told you about. So so I feel like I kind of was a project girl, you know, for for a period of time during my kids' earlier years before I segued to the segued to this work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So now what? Now what? Like, so are you guys in your fifties? Yeah. I'm 58. 58. 56. 56. Cool. 55. Um, what, is there anything that you, that you would tell your younger self, either of you? Mm, A lot. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I think, um, first of all, trusting yourself, um, being true to what lights you up and the impact you want to make and the way you want to experience your life. Again, I'm, I'm a recovering shooter. You know, I 
did the things I thought I should do. And I, I feel like that was the ticket to success. And what I realized, no, it's not. Your definition of success is yours and yours alone. And and you get to define that. And, and I wish I knew that then. Yeah. And how about you, Wendy? Oh, I think obviously, you know, so many of those same things about shooting on yourselves and, and what you, who you think you're supposed to be. But for the most part, I think that I, it's about fear. So much of our life is based on protecting ourselves from the things that we fear. And then another big portion of our lives are about protecting ourselves, protecting the people that we love from the things that we fear. And sometimes we're even protecting the institutions that we love from the things that we fear. And so we create this whole protective way of going through life. And in that space, you absolutely never use your full skill set. You never ever use the best of yourself. And even if you, where you're trying to, you tend to have an energy that repels the very thing that you want the most. And it creates this horrible cycle of pushing, 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 and then beating yourself up with the confirmation of, oh yeah, I guess I'm not who I thought I would, who I thought I am. Yeah. And so if I could look back at my younger self, I would say it's not, none of it is as serious as you think it is. Even the most serious moments, none of it is as scary. They're all paper tigers as you think they are. And the only thing that actually matters in life is the way that you experience yours. And if you do that, in alignment with the best of yourself and really tapping into that every day, being present with what's right in front of you, you can trust that the, your outcomes, whether they be closing seven-figure accounts, which were the most terrifying thing that happened to me in my life when my husband made me in charge of sales, clearly not my, right? You those things happen or saying no to something that everybody is watching you and saying you're supposed to say yes to that. You find the way to create those outcomes because you're not in a place of fear. So if I was going to say something to my younger self, I would say, let go of the fear. It is a paper tiger. Is there a practice that you have um, used to help let go of those fears? Is there a daily practice that that you've used? There actually is. Yeah, there actually is. Um, so early on, when early on in my coaching career, when I decided that, okay, all of this stuff that is working for me, these tools that I'm developing for myself, um, I, I want it like Dana. I have a background in psychology, and I didn't want to do something that wasn't. Um, validated that wasn't evidence-based. And so I looked to like start educating myself and found a certification program in coaching that I felt was really, really evidence-based. And in that they gave us this little exercise to do, and they called it a gremlin. 
And they said, this is the voice in your head that tells you that you're not enough. Give it a name and create some sort of physical manifestation of it so that you can tell it, hey, buddy, thanks for protecting me, but I don't need you to do this anymore. And we had this little ceremony where we stepped over a line. Well, I he's right here. I made him out of Sculpey. I named him Saul. <laughs> and uh, I like fell in love with this like little gremlin guy, Saul. And I started talking to him. And through that process, and then through the way I started teaching my clients to use with to, to work with their version of Saul, I discovered that you can actually speak to yourself in a way, if you use a formula of these four steps that rewires your coping strategy, because that's what your fear is. That fear voice in your head is your coping strategy mm -hmm. for everything that you try to protect yourself from legitimately for all of those years. And it really worked, right? We always think that is a bad thing. It, it worked. Only now it's still protecting you from that, which is stopping you from what's next. So you just need a new coping strategy. So if you learn to speak to yourself in these four steps of not trying to shut yourself down or saying, shut up fear or stuff it down or God forbid, powder puff it and put a happy face sticker on it. It's okay. Everything's great. You know, that doesn't work either. If you learn to talk to yourself and say, okay, one, I hear you. This is terrifying. Those things really happened. I might feel like I'm going to look like an idiot if I take that TV interview. When I see myself on camera, I'm going to think, good God, she's too fat to do that. I'm going to never want to step outside of my house again. I'm going to, all of a sudden, my tongue is going to dry up and my ears are going to get hot and I'm going to not know what to say next. And it, really, in this step one, allow yourself, I hear you, I hear you. And then in step two, but here's what I know now that you didn't know then. And that's always some version of the paper tiger conversation. It's always some version of, yeah, that might happen, but it's not gonna kill me. And it sure as hell is not gonna stop me from moving forward, right? That step two is here's what I know now that I didn't know then. And step three, declarative. So I'm going to. I'm going to take the interview. I'm going to take the job. I'm going to go on match.com or, you know, whatever that thing is. And in step four, you give that little bugger a new job. So you have a lolly because your job is to lighten me up. I'm not taking myself so seriously anymore. Or you get some pom-poms because your job is to be my cheerleader. Or you do some research because your job is to be my opportunity finder instead of my shutter downer. Have that conversation with yourself out loud, quite frankly, works better if it's out loud. Have that conversation with yourself every time that negative voice pops into your head and you will literally not just overcome fear, but rewire your coping mechanism so that it's serving what's coming for you next, where you're headed now. I mean, the brain is an amazing, amazing tool. 
You can literally, you are changing it. Every single moment of every single day, you are growing a different brain by whatever you repeat. Mm -hmm. Why not do it intentionally? Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering, um, so your the name of your program is Camp Reinvention. And really your thing that both of you are, are working towards is this idea of reinvention. Um, and I'm, but you're, you're, you're helping your, your goal is to help women in midlife and beyond. Right. Um, so I'm wondering part, part of my experience is that I was being very ageist against myself all through my forties. I started to look in the mirror and go, wow, who is that? She is old and oh my goodness, the pooch from having a be- a baby and oh, and oh, and the self-criticism and the self-talk that was going on was really next level, next level awful. Um, and I realized once I started to do the work, because um, I, I, I reached a point where I was like, wow, this has got to change. This is not okay. Um, and I didn't realize it was ageism until I started taking better care of myself. And when I started feeling better because I was meditating and moving my body every day and making time for myself in the mornings before my kids got up and the day rolled away with me, um, I set my intentions for the day, all those things, I started to feel more hopeful about my next 20 or 30 years because we are all living longer now. And when I started to feel more, feel more hopeful about those 20 or 30 years and think, gosh, that's a really long time. And I've been telling myself it's over and I'm done. And a little bit of failure talk was in there and just feeling like it was all downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know I was beating myself up with, with the ageism bat that I was using. Yeah. Um, some of it was coping mechanisms, but a good deal of it was the self-talk about aging in particular. Is is that does that resonate for you guys? Is that why you've settled in to help women um in midlife? Do you feel did you come up against that that I was I've always been more feared, more afraid of aging than I have been of dying. Mm. Frankly. Uh, the thought yeah. of becoming a burden, the thought of, of you know, a lot of it's tied to ableism as well. Like, what if I can't see? What if I can't hear? What if I can't get myself around? What if, you know, what if somebody has to take care? Oh, the, these are, you know, as being like a, a, like, you know, having this idea of myself as an independent person, you know, was like, oh, that's the worst thing in the world that I could ever have to rely on somebody else to take care of me. I don't know. Where, where do you guys, where does this land in your journey? Yeah. I'm loving that you're sharing this. And and it's interesting because I actually had to move my dad into a nursing home a couple of weeks ago. And so it's kind of re-sparking some of that conversation in my own head. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing in your story is through your growth and through your journey of self-development and being intentional, it sounds to me like that belief started shifting, which is also at the time that you started doing these amazing things that you're enjoying, right? And so I think what I want to 
underscore is yes, I think this is something that people fear. And ageism isn't just out there. It's in our own minds, right? We do it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the beliefs we have are so powerful. The beliefs that we have, whether it be about ageism or anything else, truly dictates so much of our reality because, you know, we kind of can't take people through this belief cycle, but essentially your beliefs are kind of running like a railroad tracks in your life. Like they are literally running the show of your life. And a lot of times we don't question them. You had the wisdom to question your beliefs. Like, is this working for me? This is so not working for me. And so you were intentional about shifting it. Often what happens is people have beliefs that are so under the radar that they're not questioning them. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you question them and ask yourself, do I even believe this? Is this serving me? Is this moving me forward in the way that I want to move forward? Not until we question those beliefs, can we really move forward with different thoughts and different actions, right? Because your beliefs lead to your thoughts, which lead to your emotions, which lead to your actions. Those actions lead to an outcome and usually it reinforces your belief, right? Mm -hmm. So if we stay in that belief cycle, that's not working for us, we're not going to get any outcomes that are changing a belief that's not working for us, right? You maybe knowing it, maybe not knowing it, but you kind of went through that process yourself. And so there's three beliefs that we, that we believe are fundamental to, to creating a change. And, and by the way, when we talk about reinvention, reinvention can be big things. Like I'm going to move to Tuscany. It can also be really small things that add up in a big way. The beautiful intentionality that I heard you say about starting your mornings in a way that has you being intentional, has you taking care of yourself. That's a huge change that changes your whole life. Right. And so we find that some of the reinvention that women um, create in their lives are things like that, that truly are game changers and big, huge choices that may be completely different than the life they led before. So the beliefs that we think are so fundamental to creating change in, in a really intentional way are number one, change is possible. And we all know change is happening no matter what, right? But we get to be the drivers of it if we choose, right? So being intentional about that change is possible. Number two is it is never too late to pursue a dream. And we have seen that over and over again. I mean, the stories that we see and see unfold at camp. And, you know, of course we're in, we're looking at the world through this lens, right? That women are doing amazing things. Like there's more women over age 50 than any other time in history. We're seeing women be ballerinas for the first time in their forties. We're seeing them do marathons for the first time in their seventies. We have some campers that are literally starting new jobs, finally doing their creative work in the world, um, getting positions or roles that they, they only dream possible because they believed it was possible, right? So you have to you have to first believe that change is possible and that it's never too late for you to pursue a dream. And I would argue that that's the very thing that keeps people alive and vibrant, right? Those people that, if you look at the blue zones, that are living into their hundreds even, they have something they're living for. They have something that matters to them. They're daring to dream. And they have a reason to get up every morning, right? So that is so foundational to being vibrant and also to longevity. Um, the third, is, and this is, I think, harder for people to wrap their head around, is the life you live so far does not in any way need to dictate the life you create for your future, unless you say so, right? So 
the beliefs we have, like when you were looking through the lens of ageism, you were probably seeing evidence to support that. And that's what we, that's what we do. That's what our brains do, right? We look for evidence to support what we already believe. But when you embrace these beliefs, change is possible, never too late to pursue a dream. And I can create a life that's totally different than my past life. When you're looking through the lens of those beliefs, you're going to start seeing evidence to support that. Even if you don't fully believe it yet, like sometimes people are like, ah, I don't know about the last one, right? Even if you believe it 10%, you're still going to start looking through that lens. You're going to see evidence of women that are creating lives that are totally different than what they did for the first four or five decades of their life, right? And so it's seeing that evidence that reinforces what this belief is, right? And by the way, a belief is nothing more than a thought that you've thunk enough to become a belief, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why you can start playing with new thoughts and you can change your belief. Yeah, And you did that. You did that. And that's where you're in a very different place right now. Yeah. Everybody just, you know, saturate yourself with examples of what, of what is possible towards what you want. You know, Mm -hmm. your your brain starts to accept that that is possible. Yeah. It just needs. Well, it's interesting because, and we see this, we see this shift happening with the women we work with. Like if you want to find a new job or you have to find a new job and you're over the age of 50, if you believe it is going to be impossible to find a job over 50, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm done for, right? Like if, if that's the story going on in your head, you're going to hear all the stories of women that aren't getting the second interview, that can't even get the first interview, that have been looking for a job for a year. Like you're going to hear all those stories. But if you believe that, you know what? I actually think it is possible to get a new job after 50. I actually think I might get the best job after age 50. You're going to start hearing those stories. That's what you're going to focus on. Yeah, that's that reticular activating system, right? Yes. Just going to work for us. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Little little thing down at the back of the brain back that's there. Right. There's your, sub- your subconscious mind is the mm-hmm. thing that drives, that that is driven by your belief. And, um, and it's the thing that sorts what you see and what you don't see. Because you yeah. can't possibly take in everything around you. So your subconscious is the sorter. And what you tell it with your beliefs about what to sort for is what you see. Yeah, so it's, it's all it's right in front this of you. Engine, this thing that's going on in us. Isn't, isn't that crazy? I all under like the radar. The, the, like a blue Honda. Like if suddenly you know somebody and they drive a particular model and make and it's a blue Honda and all of a sudden you, you're seeing blue Hondas that look just like theirs all over the road because your brain is like saying, oh, that's Jenny or that's Jim or whoever. And it's like, oh, is that Jen? Is that? Nope, not them. Um, but your brain is like looking for evidence, looking for the things that are important. Right. And so we can we can tweak that a little bit. We can, sure can. We can program it. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, so. We don't have a lot of time left. I do want to talk really quickly about you guys coming together and creating a business together and how that has changed over time. And my first question is, did you guys have any kinds of ageist fears going into starting a business together at this point? I'm going to say no. For myself, no. Uh, No. It just wasn't the fear. And and what's interesting, we we practice what we preach. We we, we talk about starting before you're ready, right? Mm, And we just jumped in with, let's create a cool retreat, right? We, we, January of 2020. 
uh, Camp Reinvention started as a four-day retreat, and then we were with the women for six months of coaching afterwards to make sure that they really created a positive change that stuck, right? Mm -hmm. So we realized that the process we created was really powerful, and the feedback we got was great. So we're like, cool, let's do it again. And you can see where I'm going. This is 2020, right? So the two retreats we scheduled, we canceled. Uh And they were like, huh, okay, what's it going to look like? Maybe we could help more people online. And so what's interesting is during this time period, you know, we've got like four or five months until we realized, okay, let's bring this online. It's almost like we were dating each other, right, Wendy? Like we, we weren't committing to a business yet. It was just a cool project, but that cool project evolved. And, you know, through that process, we're getting a sense of what's working, what's not working, i.e. we can't be in person anymore. And behind the scenes, we were learning about each other, right? So we knew from the get-go that we'd be really good teaching and coaching together, that all that frontward facing stuff. We had no idea behind the scenes that we are like magical partners because she is a rock star at the strategy at the tech at the design at the like tinkering with all making everything look great i would die a slow death and never do an online business if i had to do that stuff i'm the one who's out there doing the partnerships and the pr and having conversations all day long and i love it and and you know you heard her say earlier i'm more of an introvert i kind of want to do my thing and be outward facing and then go back right and so both of us constantly are like oh my god thank god you're doing that <laughs> because and behind the scenes you know again there's that that beautiful partnership in the true sense of the word, right? Like that we really are dividing and conquering in a way that so truly works for us. And <laughs> you know, so- it's making me laugh. I'm thinking, I have been following you, Yvonne. I love you. And I told Dana, hey, here's a person that you need to contact for us. <laughs> I was, even though I was following you, oh my I was gosh, like, hey, contact funny. her and see, see if we can have that's a conversation true. with her. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, that's why I we're here. That. I love that. That is so funny. Oh my god. Well, thank you. Um, I'm so glad that we connected via Dana and this is <laughs> a whole thing. That is awesome. Um, well, my goodness. So so here we are, and it is really October 5th. This episode is gonna be coming out in January early January, because you guys have a new program coming out the end of the month, right? So real quick, let's just talk about the the thing I hate, uh, New Year's resolutions and the whole idea of like, okay, it's a new year. Let's, we're going to, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, and then the drop off that happens when we don't support ourselves properly. So I, I want to know your guys take on doing things around the beginning of the year, a- anything that your thoughts are on that kind of thing. Wendy, I'll let you go first and then I'll chime in. You know, doing things at the beginning of the year is actually a really smart thing to do. Our brains love start and end points. So it's why we love to start on a Monday or start on and start at the beginning of the month, start at the beginning of the year. Woohoo! The brain loves that. But something else happens and you kind of alluded to it when you said we don't always have the support system internally or externally to create the thing that we've set our sights on. So we set these big goals and quite frankly, we tend to overset those goals originally, or sometimes underset because the issue isn't the setting of the goal. It's where it's the foundation that we set the goal from. At 50, 
60, 70 years old, you've got decades of experience that tell you the way the world works, what's possible for you. All that ageist stuff that you're talking about, all of that is in there. And so we set goals that are either dialed back because of that, or they're so enormous because we have to prove something to ourselves or someone else. And we've never even looked inside to be sure that that goal is aligned with the person that we're growing into as we continue to evolve. And I'll tell you something, if it's not, there is no way that that goal is going to come to fruition, no matter how hard you push or work. It's not going to happen. And then if you couple that with the fact that at this midlife age or post midlife, we have women who come to Camp Reinvention who are well into their 70s. Um, When you are in any stage of a natural life transition, All of those old tools don't work either. It's not about setting a goal, figuring it out, setting a goal, putting an action plan into place. You have to look at all of the patterns that you've created first because they're going to support you just like that coping mechanism. Your thinking patterns, your emotional patterns, your behavioral patterns, they're either going to support this new thing you're growing into, stepping into, or they're going to undermine it. And unless you start there, and that's what we do at Camp Reinvention, unless you start there before you set the goal and create the plan, very little chance that it's going to work and you get stuck and then you beat yourselves up. So we hate New Year's resolutions because they start you in the wrong place. Nothing wrong with starting with the new year, but you have to start by looking inside. Love it. Anything to add to that, Dana? You know, the other thing to add to that is more often than not, when we start that New Year's resolution, right, we're gung-ho, we're jumping in with both feet, both hands, like we're, we're, we're in. And after that phase pitters out, which is usually two or three days, we're relying on willpower. And willpower you know, doesn't always work and life happens. And that's where we end up being completely blown away and beating ourselves up that why can't I stick with this goal? What's wrong with me? And the process we created at Camp Reinvention is a no willpower required process. It needs to come from this place where Wendy said, you know, you're setting that foundation first and getting clear on what what are the patterns we have that are working for us, what's working against us, all that internal work. We also need to be grounded in what our reality is in our life, right? A lot of people kind of start that goal and don't even think about, well, wait a minute, what is my life right now? What do I love about it? What am I tolerating? What do I want to let go of, right? Sometimes we can't move forward in a way if we have a lot of heavy things that are weighing us down, right? So really getting clear on on how, what can we let go of also that will help lighten the load, so to speak, to move forward. But you need a goal setting process that's agile and not reliant on willpower. And that's um, something that we teach at camp that's very different than I think, than a way that I think most people pursue goals. Yeah. Usually one of people... the favorite things, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One Please of the favorite ahead. things I've learned to do is to, to make commitment goals so that it's, mm-hmm. it's not about the outcome so much as it's about uh, the action that I'm going to take so that it's it. not, so that if I fall short of like an arbitrary number I've set based on what some arbitrary number I've set. But yeah. if I fall short of that, I still know that I took this action, this action, and this action 
right? And I can look at that and go, hey, I did that. It didn't, yeah. it didn't work the way I thought it would. So what can I adjust and what can I yes. commit to next so that the, these are the new steps I'm going to take, you know, it yes. just, it, it, for me, it frees me up from the beating myself up part. And there's powerful science behind it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're letting go of the outcome, which also opens you up to new possibilities that you might not have been open to. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you're able to, to dance sort of in the, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Dancing in the moment, but, and also it's creating habits that support your goal. You know, I think sometimes we have this goal, but we're not showing up as the person we need to be doing the thing we need to do consistently to make the thing happen. But even showing up in small ways, just kind of pushing that pebble forward a teeny tiny bit each day, so to speak, with a habit, with consistency, you can do that. And that's where I'm kind of talking about the no willpower required. If you're making that commitment goal, if you're creating that habit, if you're showing up in those small ways consistently, Instantly, the goal kind of takes care of itself. It really does. Right? It's and like, so it's that's like lifting of... weights, right? You start mm, to get yeah. like doing a little bit yeah. every day. You start to get stronger. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much. Tell, tell us a little bit more about the program that's starting at the end of the month. It's a 12-week group coaching program where we take you through sort of our evidence-based process where we start by looking at those patterns that are undermining you, thinking patterns emotional patterns, behavioral patterns. Those are your habits, right? And recalibrating them. Basically you're recalibrating and rewiring so that you've got everything in place that's working for you instead of against you. And through that work, you're also going to kind of get real clarity on that essential version of yourself, on that best version of yourself, on the woman that you are and the one that you're growing into. And from there, then we take you into goal setting. And as Dana Dana said, not only is it a really robust goal setting process, but there's a goal attainment process really similar to what you're talking about, Yvonne, like it's a rolling experiment that we teach people that's more about, I like your word commitment and, and experience. What is the experience of rolling forward toward this thing that I want, because that's, that is your life. That is your life and being able to really dive into that. And then in the fourth component of this, we make sure that you've also honed those skills that are required to make sure that all of that quote unquote life gets in the way stuff doesn't turn the ship around, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that you've got these very specific specific skills that help you to take everything that you've rewired and reprogrammed because after 12 weeks, it's still kind of fledgling, right? And make sure that you can keep that going no matter what circumstances come your way in the future. Because that's the important part, right? This needs to be something that you can roll forward on your best, sunniest days and on your darkest days too. Yeah, here, here. Well, ladies, thank you so much. This has been tremendous. Thank you, Yvonne. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this was fun. My total pleasure. Well, there you have it. Oh my gosh. What, What great ladies. I think my big takeaway from this is just, it really kind of just reinforces what I believe in already. <laughs> Funny enough, I say that, that, that the beliefs we have are powerful. 
and they dictate our reality, I think is what Dana had said. Our beliefs are like this thing that runs us. And if they, if you're not aware of them, they're running you. If you're not questioning them, if you're not asking yourself, is this working for me? I hope you can take the time to start asking yourself whether or not your beliefs are serving you. So if you're interested in finding out more about Wendy and Dana or working with them, oh, there's one cool thing you can do. You can get a free copy of their ebook, which is Freedom from What Keeps You Stuck. That's gonna be available at campreinvention.com forward slash ebook. I'm also gonna put that in the show notes for you. And you can learn more about their upcoming Camp Reinvention program that starts at the end of the month. That's a 12-week program. Starts January 30th and runs through April 16th. It's a blend of inner work, peer support, coaching, and it's delivered live online for each week for 12 weeks. You know, I don't do a lot of affiliate partnerships and things like that, but I am partnering up with Wendy and Dana because I think that the way they approach this is really sound. I've, I've taken a look at some of their online materials and I think it is life-changing stuff. If you want to, you can use my affiliate link to sign up for their program. That is going to be available in the show notes for you. Just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and look for episode 167. It's not going to cost you anything extra. It will kick a little support my way to help me keep producing this podcast. So I would totally appreciate it if you'd use that affiliate link. And if nothing else, if nothing else, start keeping track of what you believe. Take some time for yourself to look at it, meditate, write it down, go for walks and look at it and really question your beliefs with some kind curiosity to yourself. Let me just say, if you are looking to reinvent yourself, It's time to shake things up. It's time to do something new. It's time to question your beliefs. I'm going to go back to what they have on their website. If you want to be something you've never been, you need to do things you've never done. So that is all I have to say about that for now, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well and talk soon.